Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 296 of Political Straight Talk. And we are coming to you from all parts southern. I am in the beautiful, beautiful Cherokee National Forest in East Tennessee, and my co-hosts today are the wonderful, beautiful, ever-entertaining Tammy, (laughs) and (laughs) the ever-so-on-the-point and has an explanation for everything, and that would be Mark me, how y'all doing tonight? <laughs> and last but not least, my good buddy and always entertaining, Chase. Coming to you live from an underground bunker in a nondescript building, Chase A. Williams. Oh, Where's the painting? <laughs> whereas okay, we, so Mark Levin sues me, big deal. So... Whereas we normally have, uh, we talk politics on this show and we try to, you know, mix it in with a little bit of humor and a little bit of seriousness, tonight's issues are very serious. And I want to go ahead and let everybody know that this will not be your normal program that we do. There's probably going to be some adult content in here. That's why I have marked the program as adult content this evening. And... Uh, there's going to be some viewpoints that we may agree with, we may not, but this is America. There is a thing called the Bill of Rights, and one of the major ones is the freedom of speech. And here we practice it, even if we don't necessarily like what another person has to say. So, having said that, we're going to get topic number one out of the way, and that is Hillary Scrotum Clinton. Okay, this Hillary Rodham Clinton? Uh, that is what I said. It may have sounded like I said Hillary. It might have said it might have sounded like I said scrotum, but I really said rotum. No, it's Robum Clinton. <laughs> oh, Robum Clinton. The yeah, Justice it, Department, as everybody knows, the Justice Department and the Thebes declined to prosecute <laughs> Hillary, even though the director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation said, and I quote. There is evidence of gross negligence, but the intent was not there. Now, before I let... I didn't mean to shoot my husband, but he sure deserved it. Hey, Mary Winkler used that, and she got away with it. Uh, Well, I'll lead off with this. Before I... I am the the host of this show. Uh... The first thing I want to tell everybody is this tonight's going to be out of control. The first thing I want to mention is the fact that anybody that's had uh, security clearance knows that if you mishandle a piece of classified information and you are caught and you are normal, 
you're going to the pokey. That's all there is to it. They will demand Fabian your security. They will demand your security clearance, and you are led away singing "Hi ho, hi ho, busting rocks we go." Okay, now Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, last weekend had a secret meeting without Secret Service, without Capitol Police, without the marshals who guard uh, Attorney General Lynch, in a room with nobody but he and her. And then we find out on Tuesday, as I predicted, that Hillary would be cleared. All right, Chase, you're up. Well, see, the thing is, Director Comey should should understand that for the purposes of indictment, intent is irrelevant. That comes later in the trial. She violated the spirit of the law. Absolutely. Intent does not matter. Just like if you are working in a job and you snipe $100 to go give it to a needy family, it doesn't matter why you did it. The fact is you did it. The fact is she handled classified United States top secret information on a private unsecured email server that we know the Russians and the Chinese hacked. I mean, there's... she needs to be indicted, and I don't think this is the end of this. I think that the House and the Senate may have something to say about it, going by the questioning that they were that he was given in yesterday's House hearings. The I don't problem, think we heard the end, of the end of this. The State Department, as expected, did reopen their investigation because they had left their investigation closed long enough to allow um, the Justice Department to finish theirs. Everybody knew a rubber stamp was coming. Rubber stamp is what happened. When, and I was telling Chase this before we went live, is that I told him many months ago when Joe Biden decided not to run that this is exactly how it was going to happen. And this is exactly how it did happen. And we're going to discuss later on the pros and cons of this happening and how it's going to affect her running for president. But next up, Tammy, go Oh, me? (laughs) Well, I just think it's a a farce. I think they just went through the motions. Uh, They probably were eating barbecue and T-bones or playing face in. There was no questioning. That was just stupid. Hatton? Good evening, Fabian. How you doing, buddy? Wonderful. Your thoughts? We're discussing the Hillary uh, Robham Clinton uh, pass. (laughs) It's Hillary Robham Clinton. Hillary Robham Clinton. Hillary. Hillary. And don't forget Loretta Stinch. <laughs> well, you know, I was, it was funny because as uh, as the uh, director of the FBI, Comey, was giving the press conference, I was standing at work with um, a, a like-minded co-worker, and we were sitting there, and every single thing that he said was, she broke this. She did that. She, you know, we had to find three servers. We had to do all of that. And we're, we were sitting there going, oh, my God, is he actually going to say that he's going to recommend, you know, for, for, a, um, for charges to be raised? And I, I, I love how he phrased it. He gave himself an out that made him, first of all, not vilified because he pointed out all of the failures, 
but at the same time, he didn't get himself excoriated or labeled as as some kind of political you know, operative, which he is, but not in the not in the eyes of the uh, media. He actually said no reasonable prosecutor would bring charges. Therefore, we are recommending that no charges be brought. It's because they'd find themselves dead in a ditch somewhere. Look at the trail of bodies. There's a list of people that said they would have prosecuted. There's a ton of people that said they'd prosecute. Oh, yeah, and, and, and it passes the reasonable man test. She, it, any reasonable man would say, yeah, bitch, you broke the law. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a, I was in banking for 20 years. If I just circumvented their email system and used a personal email system, not even a server, as soon as they found out, they would have called me in, as they often do when they want to get rid of people, and say, meet me downtown. And as soon as they hand me the papers to say, you're fired, when you reach to get them, those handcuffs would have gone on me. And... They, I would have been in federal jail, and they would have probably put the key in a box of cement and threw it in the Mississippi River. <laughs> and, and, well. and that's not a that's not an unfair analogy. I work in IT, and and some of my friends work in security. You know the 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 lies that she has been that Comey's statement exposed on her. And Fabian, I know we're getting in. Your 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 plan is to get to the the campaign a little bit later. But just remember the the fact that not even NPR could could miss fact checking her statements compared to Comey's investigation and finding all of them false. I have you know, figured up, uh, and Mark, I know you want to chime in, but I'm saving you for another topic. Uh, we're going to move on from this topic here in a minute. I counted up. Martha Stewart was found guilty of one count of lying to federal prosecutors. No, she wasn't found guilty of the insider trading. She's found guilty of lying. Okay. And she was originally charged or was going to be charged with seven counts because she told seven lies. I figured up that based on just Hillary Clinton, just the emails, just the servers, just her, I figured up that she should have been charged with almost 953 counts, okay? And of those 953 counts, 684 is dealing with classified information because you will notice that he said one thing that was very specific. He said there were 120 email chains. Yeah, okay? he didn't say how many messages were in those chains. That's right. He said chains. Now, I do know for a fact that on some of them, it, it came out to be that there was well over 600 violations. Then you factor in the public statements that she's made, which were false, and several of them to the FBI, false. Well, and it's, it's the, the falsifications, and we learned this from her husband, the falsifications only count if they are made under oath. Right. And the only, the biggest... The biggest crime that she committed actually wasn't sending the emails, and it wasn't even lying to federal prosecutors. The biggest crime that she committed is when she diverted federal government communications to a privately held server. 
And those three servers are enough that if it were you or me, we'd be at Leavenworth. That's what I think. Shawshank Redemption, that would be us for the rest of our days. I have a new girlfriend. Well, we have to understand one thing. (laughs) Director Comey finally got his children and his grandchildren back. Because we all know when Bill Clinton went on the plane with Loretta Lynch, he only had to say two words, Vince Foster. Right. Oh, wow. And everything was cleared up after that. And you notice how once Director Comey came out and say, well, we're not going to prosecute, even though there is a list of things that they could have prosecuted for, the whole narrative of the media has changed because we have two issues, which we're going to talk about later on in this show, that has taken the mainstream media by storm. Well, under under Bill Clinton, and Clinton used to do this, you could always tell Clinton had done something to get in trouble when we heard on the news that cruise missiles were being launched at somebody. And, you know, in hindsight, we look at that and realize, you know, we, we used that in jest over the years, but it was the truth. And yeah. so, and, and Mark, you gave me the segue that I needed. So with Hillary... And we're going to come back to Hillary because there's more to discuss, but we need to discuss it from a political point of view. Um, The State Department's reopened their investigation. Here's how it's going to go. Okay? It's going to go, well, we've reviewed everything. We do see errors, but we have to agree with the Justice Department and the FBI and that there was no intent to do any harm, so we're closing the case. And as a result of this issue, we are going to redo our policies. Okay? Now, I would offer this as an interesting caveat. During the Clinton administration, there was a movie made in Hollywood called Wag the Dog. I would suggest that everyone in the country watch the movie Wag the Dog. I'm not going to give you the plot lines. It's a good movie. But it's a really interesting movie to understand how political theater works in this country. It was a good movie. I liked it. Well, you're going to see – there is another caveat to this, too, and, and this is going to come back later, and that is if she loses the general. Because rumor came out today. You know, we've all been uh, talking about who we'd like to see in different positions in a Trump administration, and I know Tammy's having to spit every time she says that, but uh, the it's point okay, is – I can tell you that whoever the attorney general is, and it'll be one of three people, it'll be Chris Christie, Trey Gowdy, or Rudy Giuliani. God, I hope it's Trey Gowdy or Giuliani. And I, I will tell you that she's in trouble. This is all I'm going to say. She's in trouble because Trump will demand the resignation of the FBI director, and there'll be a new FEB director, and it'll be a whole new ball of wax, but we're jumping, putting the heart cart before the horse. We're going to segue into what we like to call uh, diversionary tactics. It's going to be great, believe me. So good, so good. I take nothing away from those who have dealt with rogue cops and that kill people. And they kill people without provocation. It does happen. I'm going to say this about the Louisiana shooting. 
and the other shooting that happened in Minnesota. I haven't seen everything. I've seen what the media wanted us to see. I've seen what it appears like based on the snippets that I've seen. But here's the law when it comes to cops, and this is in every department, federal, state, and local. If an officer fears for their safety, they can use deadly force. And that is exactly how it is written in just about every book. I went looking today while I was working at my job in between the calls, and just about every department, including New York City, including Chicago, the big ones, the small ones. I even called my local sheriff's office in southern USA and asked them. And the exact wording to me was, if an officer fears for their safety. Do we know everything? No. Is Black Lives Matter and the media people using this to divert attention from Hillary? Yes. Did the shootings that happened today in Bristol, Tennessee, or in uh, Dallas last night, were those diversionary? No. They're part of the diversion, but they weren't intended to be diversionary. It has to do with, here's a question for the table before we, as we get into this. Did the president, beginning with Trayvon Martin, stoke racism and cause what happened yesterday, today? Yes, and it started way before Trayvon Martin. It started with that um, college professor up on the East Coast. But Trayvon Martin is the one when everything really led into Ferguson. Trayvon led to Ferguson. Ferguson led to Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter led to the uh, takeover of the different things that they've taken over and the hatred and the, the unions. You know, they've teamed up with the unions now and are – Boycotting oh. Trump events and Republican no, they're, events. They're teamed up. Black Lives Matter. Their backers are the Muslim Brotherhood. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. wait. It so, goes back a lot further than y'all believe. What's well, we under during Obama's administration, he escalated things. But what really started this was you go back to the civil rights movement. You go back fifty, sixty, seventy years, and you had those police officers who were controlled by the bosses in the South, which is pretty much the Democrat Party, that instilled those Jim Crow laws. And that's when you had the idea of the police being evil, being sinister, and hated the black population. Now, that festered for this period of time, but you had this president who was indoctrinated in this idea. So when he took office, there was no more get a good opportunity than something on a local level like the Trayvon Martin or the Ferguson incident or the Baltimore in, in, incident to perpetuate that stereotype that's been festering for 50, 60, 70 years. Now, in hindsight, the police have changed over the last, over that same period of time. You have more diversity, you have more inclusion, you have all these great keywords that the Democrats like to spew, but they still see the, the, the police officers as the hate mongers, the ones that are the army of the southern bosses. And that's where this problem comes in. Now, you talk about Baton Rouge. I'm only an hour south of Baton Rouge, and I have been listening to this stuff since 
this incident happened. But the problem is we don't know what really happened. I told friends of mine on Facebook, the people that I that I write blogs with, the political group that I am in in Louisiana, I'm not going to make any judgment until the toxicology report comes out because that's when you really know what really escalated that event. With the problem this is the problem is you have a 24-hour media who needs a filler, and nothing is better as a filler than an incident that happened in a local area, which should have been handled by local authorities. Well, the this is the thing that that has me raising an eyebrow. Every cop in this country, and all of us know cops. Every cop in this country knows that eyes are on them. Anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Okay? This video that we've seen, it shows basically a police officer walk up, shoot a guy, and that's it. Okay? Now, I'm sorry, but there is no police officer in their right mind with a witness sitting there going to walk up to a vehicle, pull out a gun, and shoot this guy. There had to be something more that we haven't seen. There has to be. And I'm not saying the cop was right. Fabian, can I jump in real quick? I was actually leading to you next, so yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, You asked the question, did President Obama stoke fires of racism? Um, Not only did President Obama, but so did Eric Holder. You know, and and the history of it is what it is. Um, I think that the Obama administration with Holder, um, you know, they and he have continued and used that as leverage and as a starting point. Now, the other thing that, that I find absolutely astonishing is that not only was there a witness, but the witness didn't think, oh, this guy's getting shot. Let me call 911 or let me call, you know, let me let me record it and I'll send it to somebody, to the news. No, this guy or the, the person in both cases, because I think they were both delivered the same way. The video snippet that is being played is from a streaming video from a smartphone directly onto social media. And that was not on accident. So now police don't know, not only do they have to look over their shoulder, but they also have to worry about you know, the the social media issue. You know, one of the things that, that I've been saying with regards to the Hillary Clinton thing is is that, you know, you know, orange jumpsuit be damned, she's going to be get slammed in the in the court of public opinion. Especially after news outlets fact checked her her sworn and public statements. But that same social media is also being used to divert our attention and to to divert the American narrative from what's actually been happening. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know where your where your show plan brings Dallas into play, but I've been listening to that unfold as well. And, and I think Police Chief Brown, who is a black man, made a very strong and compelling statement after you know during his press conference this morning, in which when the reporter asked the question, "What is this going to do to protests?" and to demonstrations in the city of Dallas, and he said, I'll paraphrase, nothing. He said, this event does, the the Dallas Police Department will not allow this event to remove your constitutional rights to peaceable assembly and freedom of speech. But, But by the same token, the media... Using the social media, because now apparently Black Lives Matter has trained their operatives in such a way that if they see something, it's not see something, say something, it's see something, stream something. Well, that's part of where we're going, especially when we get to Dallas. I have on my way to me a piece of paper that was sent out to top operatives in Black Lives Matter. I got wind of it today. I saw a transcript of this where it's basically calling on people to do exactly what happened in Dallas, exactly what happened in Bristol, exactly what happened in Ferguson. If you look back, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but you look back, what happened in Ferguson? There were snipers. What were they doing? Shooting at cops. I think test run, figuring out what works, what don't. Bristol, what happened? Guy was sniping that drive-by motorist. What was his target? Cops and white people. The Dallas shooter. Now, I'm going to tell you about the Dallas shooter. I think that they're throwing the color thing in there to try and stir up race issue. I think he just hated cops, and I don't think he gave a damn what color they were. But, again. I'm sorry. Um, Kathy Hunter said that he, they believe that he was, a member of the mosque in Dallas, and also in Minnesota, uh, the well, young man that was shot and killed uh, may have been a suspect in a robbery. He has. Uh, he did, he does have a, an Arabic name. I did notice that today, and I noticed that the White House was very quick to come out this morning and say, "Oh, there's no ISIS connection." Of course. Because here's the thing, people, Texas has over 1 million registered gun carriers, concealed carry permit holders. Okay? This dude better be glad he was killed by the robotic bomb. I'm just going to tell you all right now, Texas won't stand for this. Okay? They won't. You'll do it once, shame on you. The second time, they somebody sees you shooting. I heard, uh, I heard a liberal, I guess I can call him a friend of mine today, uh, say, well, See, guns don't matter. Look at all those concealed carry permit holders there. And my initial thought was, sniper, why do you think he hid himself instead of coming out in the open? Because there were guns, lots of guns. Um, And I really find it, and and we'll get back on topic, but I really found it interesting that a black man that was carrying an AR-15 yesterday, um, when everything started, he went to police gave them his AR-15 so that they could check it 
and basically said, look, I'm not part of this, and I want you to know I'm not part of this. And, Tammy, I think you're the one that shared that. That's the smart thing to do. And so, this is, that, that is the smart thing to do. Not only that, you know, the interviews that I've heard with the Dallas uh, with the Dallas incident, um, and and while you know I'm I, I'm I'm as I'm not as conservative as some, but I'm definitely no liberal. Um, I listen to NPR because they don't repeat the same stories all the time. My local radio station does that, and and the N- NPR interviewed the man that organized the march, and he said, I was standing next to a police star- police sergeant as we were wrapping up the rally. I was at the head of the march, and all of a sudden I heard shots run out, and I had to get, I, I grabbed my, my bullhorn and yelled, active shooter, get out, get out, and the police sergeant started running towards the sound of the gunfire. You know, this protest in Dallas, you know, they, they say the, the term peaceful protest it, it, not only was it peaceful, but it was arranged with the Dallas PD. They had people on hand and officers there, so that they could, you know, block tra- so that they could safely block traffic, so that the people could do their thing, have their say, be heard, and then go home and sleep safe at night. And this guy, this 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 shooter. You know, decided that it was a good idea to to hole up in a parking ramp and and start taking pot shots at people. The other thing that I did though was I listened to there's there's a great app um that I use called Scanner Radio Pro. Yeah, I got and it. and it alerts you when you ha- when any feed has more than 3500 listeners. And I can tell you I listened to the scanner and it was chaos. It was utter chaos. The police department did a, a, an amazing job getting people out of the way and getting the resources and the people that they needed. It, they talked to the guy, you know, in the parking ramp for how many hours? Four hours? Five hours? Yeah, it was five. And then when they finally realized that he wasn't going to. Yeah, there was no way to take him alive. They sent in the robotic detonator. Yeah. Now, I will tell you that on that, and I know you don't have access to this, but there is a there's a set of channels that you can't get over a scanner, and Dallas and Fort Worth are one of the two bigger cities that have this. And mm-hmm. on those channels <laughs> where the crystals, you know, where they use the digital, mm-hmm. uh, on the federal radio, that's where I was listening yesterday, and... It was interesting. They they were in panic mode for about 15 minutes. I'm not going to say panic. I'm going to say that they were trying to get everything figured out in about 15 minutes. And they notified uh, first aid personnel, fire personnel, and reserve police personnel, including state and federal. And within 19 minutes, they were code 33. So, And that's 19 minutes from the first report of an active shooter. That is, guys, that's unheard of to... Mm-hmm. To do that, um, and, and, been, and for those that don't know, you might want to explain what a code thirty-three is. Um, it's you're running an emergency to an emergency scene, lights, siren. Um, basically, the, the full term is code thirty-three traffic. That means that you're hauling ass to get there. Yeah. Um, the the interesting thing that that comes from all this 
is at the end of the day, this is going to backfire. This, just like Ferguson backfired, just like Bristol will backfire. Um, and, and we're going to roll into that. But but here's the thing. Cops are outnumbered in this country thousands to one. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your creed is. And I don't care where the hell you're from. If you get pulled over by a police officer, the smart thing to do is put both your hands on the steering wheel. Identify yourself as a concealed carry holder. Let them know where your weapon is. Keep your hands where they can see them. End of discussion. And everything will be fine. I have never, ever been mistreated by a police officer. Ever. And yes, I'm white, so everybody can say whatever. Mark, have you ever been mistreated by a police officer? Unmute the phone, put down the Coke and Jack, and answer. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, I haven't. But I have I have a different take on this. Now, explain to them why I ask you that question. Because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I did not ask you that question because you're a law-abiding citizen. Okay, you asked that question because he's black. <laughs> because I'm white. <laughs> he is... Uh, <laughs> He's Mark, and I know he's going to cause trouble. Yeah, I will. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I have a different take on this. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who predicted that equality among the races was going to start in the South. And it was Martin Luther King who echoed this sentiment during the He did. He said, we either get along or we'll uh, die foolish. And Martin Luther King echoed this in the Civil Rights Movement. Now, you look at Dallas right now. Dallas is one of the most diverse cities in the country. Dallas has a black police chief, and everyone lives in harmony. So it was no if, – if people wanted to protest, you knew it was going to be a peaceful protest. I'm pretty sure that the cops that signed up for this, who were on overtime, said, you know what, I know my city, I know the people in my city – and what happened during this protest? You had people taking selfies with the police officers. They were standing in unity. Now, then you have some idiot, and I will use the term generally, who says, well, this movement that I am partaking in, I'm going to start shooting some uh, some officers. Now, the same people who were at that protest last night we're also the ones who put flowers on the police cars that are being decorated in front of police headquarters to honor the the five slain officers. Now, you have cities in this in this in the South who they are very diverse because it doesn't matter what color you are; you all have to live together in that city, and you see this throughout the South. The South is one of the most diverse places in the world because you live with everyone. The people that I went to school with, the people that I grew up with, it was it didn't matter what color their skin was. Right. I have friends of all different flavors of the rainbow. Hell, less than an hour and a half ago, I was sitting in a store with two men who I consider friends. They just happened to be a different race than I am. And we discussed everything for about a half hour, including what happened in Baton Rouge, what happened in in Dallas, because I am not brought up as someone who's going to look at color and be judgmental. 
Now, that's the beauty of the South. That's the beauty that's been instilled in the South over the last few generations because, like it or not, you had to integrate. You had to be. But in the, in the, in the long run, you found your best friend may not be the same color as you, but you trust him with your life. Right. See, a lot of the narratives that have been perpetuated throughout this country are people who have no idea what this means. Most of the news networks come from our, come from New York City. New York is a very segregated city. Yes. And it's a very ugly city. Well, you look at the five boroughs. I mean, it's you, you oh, know, yeah. if you're from if well, you're from a certain borough, you just don't go in other boroughs. Well, okay. I'm going to chime in on what Mark's saying. Until this country stops with the label, if I hear one more person say the African-American community and the Latino community and the LGBT community. Know that we are all Americans. Unless you were born in Mexico, you're not a Mexican-American. Unless you were born in Sierra Leone, you are not an African-American. You are an American. And as well, long as we... But, but, but no, no, what de, no, what defines us is the fact that we are Americans. I will not subscribe to this labelism anymore. It's destroying this country. Until we become one country again where we cast off these labels, this is going to keep happening because it is divisive. And that's the only way Democrats win elections. Look at what's going on. The president of the United States, the attorney general, and the director of the FBI, and all the rest of them are all in on it. So as long as they can keep the natives restless, they can do whatever they want. The next step is declaring martial law and suspending the elections, and everyone's like, oh, well, this, that, and the other. No, no one's paying any attention. And as long as we as the people allow the left, leftist and the liberal media to keep putting us into groups, then we're never going to come – I mean, we've got to become one nation again. And it's going to take – I don't know what it's going to take, but we don't have a lot of time to do it. This country is flying apart at the seams. White people against white people and white people against black people and black people against Mexican people. I mean it's, it's ridiculous. We need to stop with the labels. What well, defines us is okay. we are Americans. Anything other than that is, is hypocrisy. Now, I, I agree in – I agree in part with that theory because when you took the citizenship test back in the early 1900s, you you had to say you gave up your Irish heritage or you gave you didn't give up your heritage, you gave up that country and you assimilated into ours. And we are a melting pot, and you know everybody understands. But we're not that. melting anymore. That's the problem, and it, and we need well, to turn up the heat and make it melt again. That's I, I happen to agree, and you know, well, I'm gonna. Tammy, on paper, the president of the United States, the current president of the United States, is a lion sacrifice. No, 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 no. Is the so most his administration. No, 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 be quiet. Chase. Is the most diverse president we have ever had because his origins, his ancestry, he has both African ancestry, he has Irish ancestry, he has English ancestry, he has both cultures. That have simultaneously merged and to become one person. Barack Obama has a family tree and a genealogy that most people in this country would wish for. But, but because he has his liberal tendencies and has been indoctrinated by the idea of black liberation theology, 
by the idea of communism, by the idea of socialism, and by the other the ugly the I'm sorry the other ugly isms that populate the vocabulary of political scientists. He has become the most the most divisive president this country has ever seen. No, I wouldn't want his genealogy. No other president. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure if you look look back far enough in your genealogy, you may be distant cousins. I'm sure I'm distant cousins with him because he okay. is a, his ancestry is that diverse. See, he would okay. be the model person to bring unity to the country. Yes, he would but, be the model person to bring but, unity. I do agree he would be the model person to bring unity but, if that's what he was going to do. Well, he's wasted that opportunity. Now, he's Tammy, completely destroyed it. Yes. I'm taking the reins off of you. Okay. <laughs> so that the reins are off, and we want your true, unvarnished PG-13, maybe a little R, in how President get him, Tammy, get him. Obama has influenced what's happened recently. Well, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm sad. Like you said, he had an excellent opportunity to bring everybody together. Hope and um, change, hope and he, change, right. He won the Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize before he really even did anything, and both of his terms of his presidency have been under war. And it's unfortunate because... We live in a time where black people are are doing very well. If y'all don't know, I'm from Memphis, and I go back there all the time. And black people are doing very, very, very well, and they should because they've worked hard for it. But all you hear is they don't. All you hear is because of President Obama poor mouthing that they're you know not being treated fairly and. You know, I know that there are cases with the police, with jobs and things. There's times that, you know, women aren't treated fairly, but we're in America, and and the opportunity is there. If you want to work for it, you can do it. And I just hate that the last eight years where he could have brought this country together and had done a lot and we we could live in peace with each other, I just hate that he's not taking the opportunity to do that. I mean, he set us back, like like I said, I grew up in Memphis. I was bused to the black neighborhoods when I was in third and fourth grade. They were on the other side of town. And my family never, you know, taught me anything other than to treat others how I want them to treat me. Um, it, it's just sad. I'm sad. I'm sad. We were, you know, we grew up in East Tennessee, a very segregated town. Uh, it wasn't that anybody hated anybody. It's just the way it was at that time. And I remember that our custodian was an African-American lady. We'll, we'll use that title. And one of the sweetest women I ever knew. But we had never experienced across the tracks, as we called it. And uh, my dad knew her. And he uh, he said, you know, take him to church with you. Do this, do that. And we were introduced to a whole new culture. And we found out that other than they sing a lot more in church than we did, 
we <laughs> worshiped the same God. And so that led to, you know, things that, that have gone on now. But we digress a bit. So here's what I want to ask, and, and to bring Dallas to a close and move into the topic that everybody is here to talk about, and that is with Dallas, okay, we're going to do the, the, the lightning round here to finish up Dallas. And here's the question, and I'll start with Hatton. What can we do? What can we do right now as a nation, whether it's through the government, whether it's not through the government? What can we do right now to make these issues go away and make it a practical solution, not you know, impractical solution? Um, my my first gut answer is. Um, that we is that we need to have um, transparency within the police department, uh, within the police departments, um, and some kind of reciprocal video defense system. Is that like the body um, cameras? Like the They've body cameras, that. not in every department, and that's the problem. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure the police in Baton Rouge, the the policeman in Baton Rouge, did not have a body camera. I'm well, not they sure about dash cam. Dash yeah. cams don't catch everything. The dash cams, the dash cams do not catch enough. That's right. And 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 here's the thing, that social media video, if it turned out to be only a snippet of the entirety of the altercation. And I'm not going to say that this person was, you know, that that I, I'm not going to lay any judgment in either the police shootings, but that if it was only just that snippet, the police department could review and release exonerating video on the same social media platform. It would not undo all of the damage because it's going to play, you know, it's, it, you know, the the response from some is going to be, of course, what do you think they're going to do? It's, it's doctored video. It's not real. It's whatever. But um, but that piece needs to be available. It needs to be there. And it doesn't have to be body cameras. There are, heck, you go to a spy store, you can get a get a pen camera that, I mean, it's a pen in, in somebody's pocket that has a camera on the tip. Um the other the other thing is for a more in-depth community involvement by the police departments in major urban areas uh, and, and i don't even, and, and and that's something that some departments are working on and some departments are not the reason that dallas the reason that dallas has been you know such a I'm not going to say positive, um, but but the reason that Dallas has progressed the way that it has is is because of the amount of community police involvement that exists within the Dallas PD. Well, I am, uh, and, and then we'll we'll move to the next one. But yeah, I have, I, you know, we all laugh and joke about this, but uh, Police Academy, the TV show, or the the movie. Uh, you know, they uh, they had one of the police academies. It was called Citizens on Patrol. 
much like a neighborhood watch, just more glorified. You know, I think that if we had a rise of those and had individuals that went through courses and were trained to observe and report, I think that you would have uh, less stuff in these communities because people would feel more connected to the cops. I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to play devil's advocate on you there. Feel free, Fabian. And and, and 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 that is Trayvon Martin. You know, George George Zimmerman was uh, was a community watch person. He was he not was. a police officer. But you're but the but then it comes back to it was revealed that he was attacked, and you know we can argue the whole use of force, whatever. I don't want to go down that yeah. road with this call, but he's the uh, exception, not the rule. I, yes, he's not the rule. I know in in several towns and cities, mine as an example, where it but, works. But I I'll, think quote, I'll, I'll, I'll quote the, again, Chief Brown from the Dallas Police Department. When somebody asked, you know, why did the police let this happen, or or something to that effect, he said, it, it for for police, we have to be right on on our investigation and our execution. All the time, mm-hmm. yeah. every time. Every time. For people, for people like this, for people that would commit cowardly acts like this, and he's talking about the sniping, they only have to be right once. Right. Well, that's true. Well, I want to give some insight on Baton Rouge because I am, I'm close to the Baton Rouge and so know the the lay of the land. You have people over the last few decades who have self segregated themselves from other populations. In Baton Rouge, in East Baton Rouge Parish, there was an ongoing lawsuit with the federal, with the um, Department of Justice on desegregation of the school system. Now, this lawsuit lasted nearly 40 years. What it came down to, people self-segregated themselves. You had black communities, you had white communities. And the solution was that one, one district was going to bust to another district and what have you. Now, this is not the ideal illustration of a diverse community. What you had here was the idea of people living within communities of their own kind. Now, there was no government force relocation. It was just people who decided, I don't want to live next to these people. And that's what you have. You have parts of Baton Rouge where if you are white, do not travel there. The the place where this man was shot, I would not go there to save my life. But that's the way that they have segregated themselves. It's nothing to do with government, local, federal, what have you. It's just the fact that people have decided that they want to live within their, within their own kind. Now, you take into effect the kind of representation that these people put themselves in. And you take into effect what kind of society they want to instill in themselves. And this part of Baton Rouge is a very crime-ridden part, one of the most crime-ridden parts of the state, if not the region. 
Now, I don't know what happened that night. And I made the comment earlier that I want to see what happens with the toxicology report, with the autopsy report, when this all comes out. Because I'm not going to say that that's going to cause me to feel that the cops, the, the police officers were justified, but it shed some light because I know the community. And the ugliness of all of this is people who live in glass houses and live on their ivory towers don't see what happens underneath them. And the people who are perpetuating this, they don't have to live in these communities. They're just, they're just going to report on what happens within them from hearsay and conjecture. So over the next probably two more weeks, you're going to have all of the major alphabet networks saying this is what's happened, this is what you should think, and so on and so forth. And they're going to conflate this with the presidential election or your senatorial election or your congressional election because it's all politics. It's all relative to them. But so, in hindsight, the people of these communities will one day get together and say, you know what, we're tired of this crap. We're tired of these interlopers who are pushing us apart when we should be coming together because we are one community. There's a group in Baton Rouge called the 100 Men March. And these are black men who have taken it upon themselves to go into these horrible areas of the, of the city and to clean it up because they see what's going on with the drug use and the guns and all of the other crap that has been perpetuated in this community. And they so want do- to make a better future for the next generation and the generation thereafter. So here's my question, uh, Mark, and it comes back to what I originally asked. If you had a fix-all solution to solve the issues that we're currently experiencing, what do we do to solve it? There's not yep. a fix-all. It's just like homelessness. There's not one pill to swallow. You have people who have have mental illnesses. You have people who don't want to live under anybody's authority. And you have people who just don't care. Um, My my concern is the schools and the education. And one of the reasons that people are acting the way they're acting is because they're uneducated. And, you know, that's what our current administration is doing. It's that you need to make sure that they can go in the girls' bathroom and vice versa, and they can have sex and they can have abortions and they can do all this other stuff, but they're damn they're, they're ignorant. If there was a cure-all, it would be to blind everybody with acid. Because if you are blind, you can't see color. You can't see diverse, you can't see differences. And that's the problem, because no matter how diverse you may think you are, you still have two eyes, and you will see differences. And that's just part of human nature. And it comes But that's why God made this, and if we were all the same, we have to understand that what God has for me is not what God has for somebody else. But you, God has something different for each one of us. We all have different talents. You say that, but you have black churches, 
You have white churches. You have Mexican churches. You have Asian churches. You may be Christian. They may be Christian. You may be all worshiping the same God and praising to the same Jesus. But that color that you see next to you in the pew is what you relate to. And it may be a harsh thing to say, but the idea of what you see, what you see is just part of human nature. Because human nature has evolved over the last few centuries to see differences. I may be, I may think myself diverse because of, of, of my background, but in the back of my mind, in my animalistic part of my brain, I will see those differences. May it the color of someone's skin, the size yeah, but of someone's nose, Mark. or Mark. no, no, no. Listen, no, no. It, let me let me let me just down to basic. It comes down to basic biology, and like likes like, and it, it may be a harsh thing to say, but the way to overcome this is by educating yourself, is by diversing yourself in someone else's culture. And no, and it's that, no, that actually is the only way to really achieve world peace. Actually, here's here's something, and and Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna dovetail off what you said, and I believe Tammy was the other was the other person talking. Um, you know, I said body cams and you know police involvement in the communities. There's a key element missing as well. You know, and it's not it's education but not from the school. It's education from the family. Fabian, you asked the question, what can we do right now to fix this? And my, I read that as fixing the interaction between the police and the various diverse ethnic communities. And, you know, I stand by what I said to answer that question. But a larger issue is the fact that we have more and more single-parent homes, single-parent families, or, you know, where, where, they, where children do not get the role model examples of what it means to be a family. And whether that be, you know, regardless of your stance on the gay marriage or gay adoption thing, even, you know... Having a having kids raised in a loving home will teach them the humanity that's necessary. I disagree, Mark. That it's human. It, it is human nature to to notice differences, but it is the human experience and and our and the genetic education of the family that helps fight or helps bolster the divisions between those of us that are different. Well, what you're illustrating is the perpetuation of the victimhood state. Over I'm, I'm illustrating that that exists now, and I'm saying that well, that is something that should be fought. Right to a certain extent, but the way the family has been structured over the last few millennia, you have a father, a mother, and the children who learn from them in the social experiment, but you also have a culture which decided that we're going to put you on a pedestal because we don't want you to have a family. We don't need you to have a family. We will let the government take care of you because of the fact that you don't have a family. And that is the ugliness of progressive liberalism. 
Now, but, oh, okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna argue this. Okay. And I'm gonna say this as a conservative parent. I have raised my children, yes, with my values, yes, with my religion, and they know how to look at someone and say, "You're full of crap." They don't <laughs> say it in those terms. But when my yeah, my eleven year old my my eleven year old is is high functioning autistic. And he has no verbal filter. And we ride, I, I'm, I'm taking him to a special camp right now, or to a special day program right now for the next five weeks. And we listen to the news on the way in. And we listen to, to what's going on. And he goes, Daddy, those people are not saying nice things and they're not saying things that are true. He, 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 and my daughter's the same way. It is up to the family, regardless of the educational institution, because it's not that the government has decided to put their the children on a pedestal. Or it, it's the families. It's the families where where you have people don't know in the 21st century that families take work. It takes a lot of hard work. I was I was muted for a lot of our conversation, a lot of the conversation, because my son came down and I knew I had to I had to have my head screwed on straight and put my priorities right and get him back to bed and do what it t- takes as a father to do that. That's what the families need. Well, you have a textbook example of a functional family. You have some families in this country which. They say at an early age that you need to have a child because that way you can get your benefits. And you don't. You may be laughing at that, but I have not laughing at it. I'm not disagreeing with it either. I have seen that firsthand. There, is, there is a broken system in this country where the family is meaningless. If you really look at good, hard-working <laughs> families who raise their children to Tammy, hang on a second. Mark, Mark, yes. let, let me interrupt you here because this okay. this is going in kind of a sideways thing, and I know Tammy wants to jump in here. The family is not irrelevant. The family makeup, as traditionally known, is to a degree irrelevant. Tammy, go. Well, I just wanted to say they took the church out of the charity business. Uh, you know, w- when the church was involved in it and taking care of the communities and taking care of those single mothers, the widows, the orphans, or whatever, you know, and th- they they preached abstinence. But now that the government has been injected into it, uh, you know, Uncle Sugar is their payroll. I, I I get the 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 final say on this topic. I like getting the final say on on some things, and this is one of them. It is not the government's place to take care of anybody, period. It is the community's place to take care of people in their community. Bake them dinner if somebody dies. If a family's hurting, step up and help your neighbor because Christ commands us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And that's just the end of it. Now, as far as family makeup, we can do an entire week of shows on that topic, and I guarantee you that I know four of the five of us will agree. But the point is that let's get back to the issues at hand. And and the family does have a lot to do with this, but not on today's show. Um, 
let's roll into the political season, okay? And I'm going to cut this show into two parts <laughs> because I know this next topic is going to take us uh, through the through the rest of the way. So let's start with and. <laughs> we're going to have a discussion here before we get – we're going to talk about the conventions. We're going to talk about the stuff behind the scenes. But in one-word answer, either Trump or Hillary, based on what we know right now, who wins the presidency as of today, and Chase, you're first. Trump. Tammy. Hillary. Mark. Trump. Patton. Biden. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you know that's crap. Uh, come no, on. No, I don't. I don't. Hatton. I mean, I, 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 have I've to, already said. I've Biden already would have said. to come out of the convention. I understand that. And Biden's not coming out of the convention. There, there's the Democrats right now, as of right now, like literally this weekend, are hammering everything down. Biden and the president have already uh, got endorsements ready. They plan to, uh, Biden plans to endorse her next week. Um, Bernie is going to do it after the uh, first night of the convention. And so you're not sticking with the plan here. I said Hillary or Trump. (laughs) I honestly think there's, the, the, the problem that I have, is that, and I said this earlier, the court of public opinion is going to lynch Hillary. It, it is going to tank on her, but that's, listen, you're jumping ahead here, okay? <laughs> you are jumping ahead. And for that's more I'm good at that. <laughs> for, for more on this illustrious topic, please tune in Sunday for Front Porch Politics. With Hatton. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and he probably won't even talk about this on Sunday. Nope. When we when we get that email, it's, it's not going to be anything what we think it's going to be. Uh, anyway, I'm good at that too. Okay, so if we if we take and factor out Hatton. Okay. All right. I I, I will make a, I will make a valid answer now, and I'll say Trump. Okay. See, I was hoping for a Hillary, Hillary, Trump, Trump, so I could be a tiebreaker. Um, I honestly think, based on what I'm seeing right now, that Trump will win. And I still stand by the prediction that Trump wins in 1980 fashion, just like Ronald Reagan. Uh, Now, I know Tammy's sitting on her hands, chomping, biting at the bit to say something. I need to go get my gun so I can shoot the phone. <laughs> so, here's here's where we're going here. How does okay? And let's try to keep our answers to a couple of minutes in each case. How does what happened what happened this week from Monday till today shape or reshape the election and who benefits from this week? Tammy, you're up. Um, I don't think it has anything to do. The people are more concerned about Kim Kardashian and what Jay-Z and Beyonce are going to do. And they don't care what Hillary does. They're going to start pumping the first woman president, and that's all you're going to hear. we got a chance to do the first woman president, and Hillary's going to be president. Chase. 
I disagree with that. We figured think, you might. Well, see, I think that by not indicting Hillary, we actually may have a blessing in this because Democrats love, love, love victims. Oh, the mean GOPs picking on Hillary, rob them, Clinton, and we got to okay. band around the wagon. So I, I actually I think that it's going to play well for Trump as long as he keeps hammering. As long as he keeps what? As long as Trump keeps hammering how crooked she is. It's he's, gonna, it's gonna, he's not even going after Hillary with the viciousness that he did the other 16 candidates. Well, we're not in the general yet, though. I mean, come on, get, let, let's get to the we damn convention. No, we're not. We have not had a convention, and you as well as I know that you you got to move back to the center right before the convention, and then once you have a clear opponent, you take their damn head off. That old dried-up windbag is not going to be the first woman president. Sorry. Look, everybody knows that Hillary's going to be the nominee. Donald Trump, not so much. He, no, he's going to be the nominee, hey, and, if hey, the, hey, and if the GOP hey. pulls the shot, they're threatening, Chase, it's the Chase, end of the GOP. Chase, <laughs> she's, she's putting the cart before the horse. Just hang the on. The GOP's we're, already dead anyway. We're, we're, we're sick, of them, we're sick we're, of them picking the party over principles. They we're coming, we're, we're coming to the convention next. That, that's our next round here. Okay, just take a deep breath, both of you. Okay, next up. Well, if you don't like a Republican nominee, then join another damn party. I don't have have to, Chase. It's my choice. Chase, seriously, Mark, you're up. Okay, like the prelude to another great document, what Director Comey put forth before he said that, that they weren't going to indict was nothing, was the greatest cannon fodder that the Republicans can use against Hillary. Now, you couple that with what happened in the rest of this week. You ha- you have the unrest in <laughs> and across the country. I see that. And, and what happens is you have people who are realizing that they have been fed lies for the last seven years, and they are going to they're going to protest with their votes. And when they look to it, they're going to see that Hillary would be nothing more than a perpetuation of the disenfranchisement of the American ideal. And when they go to the voting booth, they're going to say, you know what, do I want the same unrest that we have for the last four years, or do I want something different? Now, no matter what you think of the man, he is not Hillary Clinton. He is not Barack Obama. He is not any one of the Democrats that you see on the major media networks. He is a different breed of animal. And when people factor in this week in particular, they're going to say, do I really want this week to last another four years? And I think that the idea of a Trump presidency and the idea of making America great again weighs more because of this week and all the unrest and all the disgusting things that have been perpetuated this week. Give it a month, and I think we start to see Trump ads hitting hitting this kind of thing because the oh, GOP. I do realize that the you GOP. 
Mark, I need, I need to go to the next guy, but um, the GOP met with Trump yesterday, and it was very heated, but there was some stuff that came out of it, and I will see. I do think there'll be some stuff at the convention. Hatton, you're up. Okay. It's my turn, Mark. Okay. It's my turn, Mark. Okay. First of all, I think, Tammy, you pointed out that, that Trump hasn't gone, gone after Hillary, you know, with the same vitriol and with the same level of attacking that he went after the 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 other the other 15 people on, in the Keystone Cops car that was the Republican not the Republican candidate batch, um, primary batch. Um, and we have to remember, he just got, a, or he just, he's just replaced his main campaign manager, and he is working with the GOP, and I'm pretty sure he's probably working with at least one, if not more, super PACs um, to help build and shape a message for the general. And, and that kind of planning takes time. Um, yes, you can have them stick media buys, you know, to get things out. But I think what I think, you know, he's just kind of using the same trope, the same hashtags, you know, the rigged system thing. And it was interesting because members of the Bernie Sanders campaign, or the members of the Bernie Sanders, you know, liberal liberal. Um, Hollywood support. We're also using the rigged system hashtag. Bernie Sanders people were just as pissed that she was not indicted as as anybody else. You know the the thing that is is going to make Trump successful, and I'm I'm hoping this happens, is the fact that it, 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 it is a scenario where. He continues to hammer his core message because his core message sells well. And then the GOP and other surrogates make use of the cannon fodder and present it in ways that people cannot ignore. And it's not just the emails. It's the fact that Huma Ahmadine or Huma Wiener burned the gay, burned. That's her actual name. Her her husband is is used to be one of my state one of my state's representatives. Yeah, used to be one of my state's representatives, in Congress. Um, you know, and you know, but she burned the daily schedules that were written out on paper. Those are part of the public record once they are executed for the day. And they are subject to those information requests. Yeah, you know, that has not gotten any traction. Yeah, you know, I can tell you why that's not gotten any traction. Why because that? that's, a, that's, a, that's a common practice. Okay. So nobody so wants in, to draw light to that. Okay. You know, so so I think I think a Trump presidency comes about with him hammering his normal message, coming up with you know you know bringing the support of the people that helped him win the primary, and letting the GOP shape and build and push 
the the attack ads on Clinton. You know, it's I interesting because it's it's interesting because I remember um I remember past presidential campaigns where the nominee once once he was nominated stood back and let you know either the vice presidential pick or you know the packs or the endorsers you know do the dirty work. I mean, what do you think Clinton's doing with Obama and Biden? And I think Trump's going to do the same thing. This is a good time for Trump to start giving substance rather than than attacking. I mean, that's what people want to hear. That okay, you say no, you're going to make America great again. Yeah, yes, no, they don't. People do. Yes, they do. No, they don't. People they want to hear. Listen to me. Okay, and this is where I got something on everybody on this call. I've been in politics for a long time, okay, a long time. And I'm going to tell you there's been two times in America where people didn't give a damn about substance. One, 1980, they didn't give a damn about substance. They wanted somebody that was going to put their boot down or their shoe down or whatever, tell people the way it was and say, hey, America's America. It's red, white, and blue, and if you don't like us, Blank off. Boo-hoo you. Okay. Fast forward to 2016. The number one consensus across voting blocks in this country is that they are tired of being treaded on. They don't tread on me, so to speak. They are tired of America getting pushed around and nobody having the courage to uh, stand up. We call it particular fortitude. Okay. So the reason Trump has done so well, okay? Now, in a one-on-one race from the beginning, Trump may not have pulled it out. I can't say he would or he wouldn't have. But I can say this. People are mad as hell, and Trump is tapping into that. And as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to win the day. If he changes, which what they're trying to do. I've seen the ad with Hillary Clinton. There's an ad that's running about every four minutes. Um, in the southeast, and it's Hillary with the kids and how she did all kinds of crap with health care and as first lady, blah, 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 blah. And the ad is effective if you're appealing to soccer moms. And Hatton, I know over the years you've heard me say this phrase a hundred times, but Democrats appeal to soccer moms, Republicans appeal to security moms. And that's Mm -hmm. why I asked earlier, which do you think this benefits with everything going on right now? And I'm going to tell you, moms become security moms. Yeah, they okay? do. They, they don't do. become soccer moms. Tammy becomes security mom and going to beat somebody down over her grandson, Eli. Okay? <laughs> now, yeah. moving on to the next thing, because I'm, I'm leading up to the convention. The convention's where we're going to end the day. Next, mm-hmm. vice presidential picks. There's been a lot of talk about those on both sides. And I'm curious as to who each of you think will be the pick. First pick, Hillary Rodham. Tammy, who does she pick? Bernie. I, yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Uh, Mark. Martin O'Malley. That's a good one. Chase. I'm hoping she picks uh, Elizabeth Warren because this country won't vote for two crazy bitches. <laughs> Hatton. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a slam dunk if she picks Liz Warren. 
Yeah, but she also knows that. You know, Hillary Clinton is nothing if not calculating. Correct. Um, I would say um, either Diane Feinstein, if I, if I remember that name right. That's um, an interesting one. Or um, maybe Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Wasserman would have been a great pick up until the convention fiasco and then moving her off to the side. Yeah, true. Um, I, I haven't followed that part of it, so. And the deal with Feinstein is Feinstein's popular in California, but you go outside of California and she's considered a kook. My money, my money would lay on if Hillary's looking at it solely from, hey, I'm going to get a ton of bad press and, you know, I need to short my bets. I go with either uh, Bernie Sanders or Martin O'Malley. All right. The Trumpinator, Hatton. I I honestly don't know. Um, <laughs> no. It is tough. Yeah, it, it is tough, and it's tough for a couple of reasons. I know, you know who I've, I secretly met with today. Well, I you know I found it very interesting that Cruz is going to be speaking at the convention. Yep. It's gonna be cruise. Tammy is a cruise aid drinker, I'm just gonna go ahead and let y'all know. And uh <laughs> she is she has threatened some form of political suicide if he goes on a Trump ticket. I think that's the best thing I think that's the I, best thing Cruz could do because it sets him up for twenty twenty. Trump's gonna be a one termer. Yeah, ter- Trump will be a, a four year be- president. Yeah, he's going to be a one-termer, and if I were Ted Cruz, I would absolutely – well, I mean, hell, if nothing else, he might not even be a full-term president. Well, he yeah, based on what he said yesterday, but you all have to realize something about Trump, and, and I don't like the guy, but most of what he says is bloviating, and, yeah. uh, and he does that to get press, and it's worked. So, Hatton, you don't know. Give us give us a guess. If, if you had to, in a perfect world, had to pick his veep, who would it be? In a perfect world, yeah. Um, I'm going to go for somebody just about as 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 oddball as as he is. I'm going to say Huckabee. Mike. Oh my God. That'd be that. <laughs> that'd be an interesting match, Tammy. Here. And no, he will not be Huckabee because he won't. He will not carry the South. People hate, especially Tennessee, hates Huckabee because he came over to Tennessee and helped Alexander retain his seat here, and he's from Oklahoma. Forget about okay. it. Okay, Tammy, who is Trump's VP? Very. Uh, Newt. Mark. Newt, because Chase he's of the Republican days. Plus, who else is better to go against Hillary than Newt Gingrich? Chase? I, I, I mean, there is rumor right now that two people that he's seriously courting. Cruz, okay. and if Cruz is smart, he'll take it. He sets himself mm-hmm. up for 2020, and he's a heartbeat away. Okay, look, Trump's going to go in there like Kennedy did. Shoot, shoot. Cruz is not looking for the vice presidency. Cruz, Cruz wants in the administration, but he doesn't want the vice presidency. He's well, got another. Would, he's got another job in mind. Supreme I would rather him be Supreme Supreme Court. That that's what he wants. Well, then I then I would say uh, I know that they're flirting really really hard with Marsha Blackburn. 
Dear okay. Jesus, now, now I'm going to tell I you who the that, I, I said that too, Tammy. We agree on that. Now I'm going to tell you who the VP is going to be, and boy, will it be a hell of a ride for the first six months. One Newt Gingrich. Newt's going to be the attack dog. Newt's the one that they're going to send out to rope Congress and rope the Senate and get what needs to be done. Newt's the guy. You know, I would not be surprised after the convention, Newt and Trump get together and put together a 2000... I'm That's sorry, it. Contract with America. A contract with America. May I, may I tell you all something that they'll get mad that I told you? There have been about 15 heads in the state of Georgia working together the past three weeks to put together something. I don't know what it is, wasn't invited, but I know that it happened, and I know that they're working on it, and I know that Trump plans to name, to name his VP next week, and I know that travel schedules coordinate based on right now. So now go to the convention. Let's move forward to the convention, and what do we see happening at the Republican convention? What do we see happening at the Democratic convention and no fantasies. Let's try to keep it as close to the realm of possibilities. And we'll go with Republicans first, and I no. know Tammy is chomping at the bit. Go. I don't know if anybody wants to sponsor me. I'll go and work it, but I have no idea what's going to happen. You're, I'm, praying for, I'm praying for everybody's safety. Based on what you've heard, what you read, what you see, the crusaders that are in the, the crusade group that you all have, that you all have. I don't know who you're talking about. Really, Tammy? Tammy, you <laughs> voted for Cruz. Quit giving her a hard time. I, I, I work for the campaign. But I don't know anything. If, if, if anybody's got any plans, you can read all day long, but that doesn't mean they're going to do, have the balls to do anything. Really? You want to reveal who my primary vote was for? I'm trying to pick on Tammy. Wow, that's kind of rude. I mean, I mean, me and Tammy may not like each other, but I, but you pick on her a lot, and it's not right. I mean, come on now, you're you're a cruiseite too. Can't, Tammy doesn't say she doesn't like you. She just says you're childish. Now, moving on. Tammy says she don't know what's going to happen at the convention. Hatton, what's going to happen at the Republican convention? At the Republican convention, it's going to be a media madhouse. Yeah. It's it's, it's going to make most of the people that have prided themselves on being affiliated with the traditional concept of the GOP, either eat a lot of Tums or drink a lot of liquor. It It is uh, going to be the most watched program. The first, <laughs> the first two nights will be the heaviest watched, and then the final night of the acceptance speech, that'll be that'll be heavy too. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, go ahead. But but as but as far as as far as you know, who's going to say what? That's going to be um, that's going to be controversial. I uh, honestly is Chris Christie speaking? I, I haven't even seen the speakers list at this point. He is. Um, he's going to say something controversial. Um, and Ted Cruz is going to try and you know bring out. You know, bring out the 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 people, the never Trump camp, yeah. um, and bring them into the fold. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that if it if if it is what I think it's going to be, 
we're going to we're going to see a lot of calls for party unity, support for the candidate, and not a lot of real new substance. I am hoping, and and I know that there's some inside of the GOP that are trying for this. I'm hoping that when he walks out on that stage on the last night, instead of giving some big grandiose speech, I say he turns it into a pep rally, and he names off the top cabinet positions and who he wants to fill them and trot them out there on that stage just like a pep rally. I think you have a lot of people walking away, and if he picks the right people, and he's he's got some picks that that I've heard talk about that are going to be pretty good. Uh, I think he comes out of that convention with a huge bump. And I think because the conventions are so the way they're running this year, uh, you got to realize the primary uh, for Congress is, you know, just a matter of weeks away. Early voting starts next week. Yes, August 4th. So, um, you know, I think we, we have to look at that. For those um, of you that live in states that have early voting. Yes, and I despise early voting. I'm just going to let you all know. Me too. But but I have early voted since it was conceived. <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of a hypocrite, I guess. But uh, Mark, what say you? I think you're going to have a co-mingling of the populist movement and the conservative movement. It was a great get by the Trump administration to get Ted Cruz to be a speaker at the Republican Convention. What you're going to see at the convention is a new, a rebirth of 21st century Reagan. And you're going to see Trump being portrayed as someone who has always had the ideals of conservatism, but has been forced to live by a liberalistic mindset. And that's going to be the agenda pushed there. So I think you're giving somebody a cornea over there. Okay, uh, yeah, Mark. just call 911 for, uh, for Tammy. But this is what you're going to have, because what the Republican nominees, the conventions are really about is political theater. And you had That's all right. these months where you had the people who were against Trump, and you had the populists who were pro-Trump. And what you're going to have with the Republican convention is a co-mingling of those two groups. And you know what? They're going to say... This is our nominee, and it's been for the last 20 years of election cycles of, of Republican conventions where they're saying, this is the next installment of Reagan. And what you're going to have is Trump being taken and put on the mantle, and you're going to have the conservative right with Ted Cruz, who is going to be speaking. Then you're going to have all the other subsequent speakers who are going to praise Trump for his business experience and for all of this and for all of that. And the last night, you're going to have Trump giving his grandiose speech, which is going to be broadcast on all of the alphabet networks. So the American public is going to see Trump. It's going to be great. So great. It's going to be great. And what what, what Trump is going to say, I'll tell you this. Trump is going to echo what has been going on over the last six months and over the last eight years. And really, his speech is going to say, are you better off now than you were seven and a half years ago? 
And it, it echoes what Bush said, what, what, I'm sorry, what Reagan said in 2000, I'm sorry, in 1980, but it's going to be at the convention on a more grandiose scale. And what's going to happen is people are going to look at this and say, you know what, I know what happened this week in American politics. I know what's going on with the Orlando shooter. I saw what happened on the news that happened in Dallas. And I see all of these things that have been co-mingling with one another. And I look at the president who has done nothing, who has been fatless. Unemployment is dismal. The economy is dismal. And all of this crap. And they're going to look at Trump and say, you know what? He's not Obama. And when it comes down to it, that wave of people who are going to watch this program are going to say, I don't care what the Democrats are going to say, because the Democrats are going to concern themselves with what's going on right now in this country. I look at this man and saying, this could be my future, and I like what he's saying, or if I, even if I don't like the man personally, I like what he is saying. And if he does even one-tenth of what he's saying that he will do, I'm going to vote for him. So this is the greatest opportunity and the greatest ad for Trump. And I think if, you don't get a, if he doesn't get a 10-point boost after this election, after this convention, Hillary's the president. I, I happen to agree. The... Again, as as Hatton knows and, and gets tired of me doing on his show, I uh, I bring numbers. So I come bearing numbers today. Y'all knew that at some point in time during the show I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I have picked apart. I'm sorry? I said, well, if you're coming out with numbers, I'm pouring another drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah, wondering how many... Given given how many how many different things have been said tonight, I'm surprised you're still speaking. <laughs> Here's the <laughs> yeah. This is going to be one of those shows that people are going to listen and go. Um, well, yeah, this, lost their mind. <laughs> this show went round and round, but believe it or not, it's actually good to have shows like this every now and then. It keeps from the doldrums of the stick to one or two topics shows and, you know, talk about headlines that we don't normally talk about. I'm just saying. <clears throat> anyway. Um. Hey. <laughs> now you're picking on me. <laughs> I did send that one your way. Yes, I, have taken I know. The last, I've taken the last 15 national polls, and I have gotten the internals for 14 of them. On the 15th, they told me to kiss their patoot. I wasn't getting their internals. And it's okay. I didn't really want their internals anyway. And here is what I have determined. Of these 14 polls, and we're going to, first we have to determine, if you want to talk about polling, how many people were sampled over these 14 polls, and there was 16,243 people uh, polled. Okay. Now, then you have to go state by state by state, and you break down the areas in the states, which they do, and the top five states that were polled, New York being number one, Pennsylvania number two, 
California number three, Oregon number four, and get this, Mississippi number five. What? Now, no Ohio, no Florida. Correct. I said the top five as far as numbers. The highest number out of all of these polls came from New York. Anybody care to guess how many people inside the state of New York? Uh, About 35%. Try 50%. Nearly, it was 8,160. Okay. Now, was it it from the the five boroughs? Well, and that's it, because as Hatton will tell you, New York is a very funny state. Upstate New York, very Republican. Downstate Mm -hmm. New York, very Republican, until you get to the city. Very heavy Democrat. The city and the suburbs of the city were 5,000. Okay? Upper New York, a little over 1,000, and then the rest was kind of spread out. Okay? Pennsylvania, same way. Very heavy around Philadelphia, and then in the rather conservative parts of the state, smaller numbers. California, the southern part of the state, was the heavily polled northern part of the state left off. Anybody that knows politics in California, the only real Republican bastion you have in southern California is Orange County. Everything else, blue. And in Mississippi, which I found this to be the funniest thing, in and around Tupelo, Mississippi, if you're around the river, you're you're blue. That's it. So then you go and look at that how these polls all shake out, and you break each one of them down, and you see in all of them Hillary wins. But here was the interesting thing: Hillary was only up by four four points in the smallest poll in the poll that had them the closest. 11 points by the poll that had them the furthest apart. The poll that had them furthest apart was Quinnipiac, and Quinnipiac had them, and they were heavy in uh, the northern part of, uh, excuse me, they were heavy in the nor- in the northwestern part of the country in their polling, and uh, Pennsylvania. One of the polls that had them the closest together had Mississippi and Oregon, Pennsylvania as a heavier number. Anyway, the point being is this. The numbers do not support what the media is saying because polling data has to be weighted. Hatton, you've heard me say this a thousand times. Weighted polls have to be weighted properly. If they're not weighted properly, you need to discard them and throw them away because, for example, Tennessee. Tennessee is weighted 13 to 1 Republican. Okay, If your polling data is covering the entire state and it is not weighted accordingly, the poll numbers will not match. That's how John Zogby got into such a big deal in 2004. None of his polling data was properly weighted, and so as a result of that, everybody's data was wrong. 2012 wasn't properly weighted. Everybody's polling data was wrong. Uh, the only person that came out of 2012 unscathed uh, was Quinnipiac, ironically. So um, I think that there's a lot more to this than um, it's not the blowout that everybody thinks. 
it's not going to be the finish everybody thinks. Um, but here's the last thing. Coming out of the convention, I want each of you to play political scientist for a moment. And what does Trump have to do to win? Tammy, I know you're going to have to spit after this, but just, you know. Okay. What does Trump have to do to win? What does Hillary have to do to win? Tammy, you're up first. I'm up first. Um, mm-hmm. I think Trump, if he really wants to unite us, has to shut his mouth, yes, stay on task, <laughs> and, and I know that's going to be hard to do, uh, kind of like a woman. Um, but he needs to uh, do an olive branch to those who didn't vote for him. If he wants people to support him, he's going to have to stop calling people losers and dividing us. He can do it by himself. And how does Hillary... Go right ahead. And how does Hillary win? Just like Obama did. Okay. Let's see. Who do I want to throw the next one to? I'm going to throw it to your good friend, Chase. Oh, boy. Go, Chase. How does Trump win? How does... Hillary win. How does Trump win? He needs to divorce Ivanka, marry Tammy, and let her run the, run his campaign. Don't give him any ideas. He might just do that. Now, she ain't now, no gold, digger. Tammy will stop bitching when she has his bank account. What, what does Hillary need to do to I win? I don't need his bank account, Chase. <laughs> oh, every, oh, oh, don't even go there. If he walked up and said, I love you, Tammy, I will make it great. You'll see. It'll be great. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like, be, I do. Tammy, Tammy would be I, like, the only thing Tammy would say is, can I have Ted Cruz with me? No, <laughs> I, I have come to you and marry and sleep in with Bill Clinton and then Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I chose another woman. You should okay. <laughs> How does Hillary win? She doesn't win. She can't win. What does she, she have did, to do to win? Uh, Pretty well, I'd say, get on her knees in front of Trump and say, oh, you're magnificent. Really, Chase? <laughs> Short of that, there's about to uh, be okay. Trump's vice presidential nominees. Moving on. Mark? For Trump to win, he has to bring a sense of realism into the country. He has to instill that what happened over the last seven years will not happen under his administration. He has to he has to tell the voters that under my administration, you won't have things like Fort Hood or Orlando or Dallas or what have you. But he also has to cater to other demographic groups. He has to go to the NAACP convention in August and say, listen, you had the first black president. What did he really do for you? He has to go to the Mexican delegations and say, what did this president really do for you? He has to go to all of these people. He has to, he really has to heal this country and it may be hard with all the rhetoric, the rhetoric 
he is spewing. But when he gets down to brass tacks, he will have to say, I can defend your family. I can make your family more prosperous. And it doesn't matter what color your skin is or your national ancestry. I can do this for you. I can make an America that is a great melting pot, which the founders have intended. As far as Hillary is concerned, Hillary will have to say, I am not Barack Obama. My ideas for America are the same as under my husband, Bill Clinton. We had a prosperous economy. We had a good form of government going, and we didn't have that many conflicts except the fact that Monica had a really weak gag reflex. Other than really? that... Two of you want to go to the same place? Well, I had to bring in that joke, but still. Okay, Hillary, Hillary has to bring in her husband because uh, the American she, psyche is still remembering the days of Bill Clinton. And now, they say, I am and, not, and remembering them fondly. Well, but Hillary has to say, I am not Barack Obama. He may be endorsing me, but I am not Barack Obama. Because the last four years, I mean, I'm sorry, the last seven years of this country have been dismal. So I want to bring in what happened 15 years ago, the great economy, the great innovations that we had in this country. And me and my husband can do that. That is the only way she will win. She will not win if she partners herself with the current administration. Well... I had not, I'm going to come to you in just a second, but I'm I'm going to hijack it here a minute. Number one, I think Trump and there's somebody in the chat, and by the way, he's trying to reach out to you, Hatton. Uh, oh, there's somebody in the chat that uh, said something, and and I was going to bring this up, not the way he put it, but I was going to bring it up, and that is the way you reach out to the NAACP is to point out that, A, Republicans have been friends to minorities since the very first days of the Republican Party. In the 60s, when the Civil Rights Movement was enacted, who pushed it through? And the point is that Republicans have allowed Democrats to hijack what the Republican Party is about, and they've allowed them to control the narrative. And somebody once told me something. I had just gotten into politics, and one of the things that I was told by a lady was, she said to me, uh, I'm a recovering Democrat. And I said, okay, what do you mean? She said, well, as I was growing up and was in college, I realized that you know, Democratic Party was the way to go. You get everything, hand it to you, blah, blah, blah. She said, when I graduated and I become a a worker, she understood that, you know, she didn't want to give everything she earned to people, and she wanted to use her money to buy things for her and to improve her life, and so she became a Republican. And, you know, I've always felt that way myself. Uh, I've always been a Republican, but... I learned to be a Republican by experiencing the policies of liberalism. And, you know, Tammy's heard me talk about this as I was growing up in the group home. 
things were handed to me. All I had to do was say, hey, I want this, and they had to get it. They had to give me an allowance whether I did anything or not. They had to buy me new clothes whether I'd earned them or not. They had to do all these things. And I saw a perfect example of how the world shouldn't work. And I think that the Republicans, whether it be Trump, whether it be somebody else, I think we have to take the narrative back and say, look, yes, this is the land of the free because of the brave, number one. Number two, we have the right to the pursuit of happiness. And how do we pursue happiness? That's by creating our own little neck of the world and keeping the government out of our damn business. And you pull yourself up by your bootstraps like the people that came to this country did. I know potato farmers came from Ireland, had nothing on their backs, and by the days that they died were multimillionaires and created some of the largest companies that we know today, Macy's. You know, well, Saks no, Fifth Avenue. They got drunk and forgot where they planted them. So, now, we come around to Hatton, who will take it to the his ass. <clears throat> okay. So how does how does Trump win? Um, you know it's interesting because he followed and and Fabian you weren't on the calls with with David and uh, Adam and myself. Um, you know it, it was interesting because it was pointed out that that the Trump campaign in the primaries ignored the GOP for for the most part. They did not play the the, the political games. And I think, you know, his his campaign is going to have to be, as most are, is going to have to be regional. Um, in, in that he's not giving different messages, but he presents a different tone in different places. Because to the to the people that are the never Trumpers, you know. <sighs> You know, I'm not saying that you know that that he has a 47% moment, um, but what I am saying is that you know he presents a very logical, very very well-rounded plan, and, and the man's got enough uh, enough money and enough people to help him put you know to, to put a plan together that will dissuade some of the never Trumpers. Um, the other thing that he has to do is appeal to the Bernie Sanders people, um, you know, the ones, not the ones that wanted the free college and, and, you know, everything handed to them, but the ones that wanted to see change in the, in the faces of our elected officials. Because, as has been pointed out before, he is nothing like any of the elected officials sitting in sitting, you know, working in Washington D.C. Actually, I'm going to say sitting in Washington D.C. because the staffers do the work. Um, you know, that's and he he picks someone that you know for a vice presidential candidate. And this is why I'm not sure that Newt is the right guy for it. Now, Newt is the right guy to go after Hillary Clinton on you know the the health care on the healthcare aspect and things of that nature because Newt was Speaker of the House when Hillary Clinton was First Lady. And Newt can come out and say, you said you did this, but you you didn't. You said you did that, but you really didn't. You know, and, and he he's a good campaigner. Whether he makes a good veep nod or not, I don't know. Um, 
the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that Trump needs to, to pull in enough votes from different voting blocks. And he's going to have to pair his message, not necessarily specifically for each region, but for, but for the ears in that region, if that makes sense. Um, you mentioned an ad, Fabian. I haven't seen a single political ad. I haven't heard one on the radio. We had New York's, New York's primary actually made a difference this year. And since the primary, we haven't heard squat, which is not surprising. Um, but then again, I'm also in Niagara County, which is, which is rural, which is about as far western and upstate, well, it is, is as far western as you can get, um, or almost as far western as you can get. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back into being in, in flyover country. For, for Hillary to win, she has to develop a message and develop um, a, a presentation assistance group that counts the message that she's not as crazy as Donald Trump. That's really the message that she needs to go on, not on what she did as first lady, not on what she did as a, you know, as secretary of state or as the state senator for, or, or as the senator from the state of New York. You know, she needs to present herself as the sane one. And, you know, that's going to go a long way. You know, there's always, and, and Fabian, you've got the numbers in, 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 this, in this election cycle. What are we looking at for locked party votes? I mean, there's always a percentage on either side that doesn't budge. Well, you've got, excuse me, mm-hmm. on the Democratic side, with, with Hillary becoming the nod, you're looking at about 35%. With um, Trump the nod on the Republican side, it's a little strange because Trump, Tammy's right, Trump doesn't appeal to some of those base people at this point, so their side is about 28 to 29%. Um, Just looking at raw numbers ahead of time. Now, if you look from traditional elections, it's almost dead even, actually. At about forty percent. Well, I want to okay. take two examples from recent from recent history. But but well, Mark, hold on just a second. What I was what I was trying to get at is is in either case, general election one hundred and one is you have to you have to claim the unclaimed voters, Trump and you is, have to and you have ahead. to chip away and you have to chip away at least ten to 15% of your opponents to feel comfortable that you have a shot at at, at, at least getting the the, the, big the, time, the the popular percent. Right. Then, the you get into elect, then you get into electorals, and then that's a different issue entirely. Right. Electoral. Uh, the Trump campaign about, I want to say about a month ago, began running an electoral college race. Okay. Hillary's mm-hmm. campaign's been running an electoral college race from the beginning, but they moved into electoral college mode about a month ago. Here is the interesting number on both sides. That there's two sets of numbers that are interesting, 
and one happens to go to each side. Number one, Hillary does not do well with blue dog voters, and she is not doing well with independents as a whole. She is doing better than normal with female voters that are below the age of 50. She is doing a little better than normal, only by a few percentage points, with the Hispanic vote. Now flip that over to Trump. Trump is doing extremely well, and I do mean extremely well, with all age groups of white males. Okay? He's doing very well with blue dog voters, and he's doing a little bit better than President Bush did with independence. Okay? So he is doing a little better in that area. Where he is hurting is that he needs that 7, 8, 9% of the base that right now is saying, hey, we're not going to show up. Mm-hmm. Okay? If, and, you know, some of those, and, and Tammy... You know, she gripes and moans and complains, but at the end of the day, Tammy will be at the polls and do what she's got to do, um, as will a lot of them. So where, where Trump, Where Trump has to really go to work is that dreaded E-word, evangelicals. He cannot ignore the evangelicals, because if evangelicals stay at the house, it's going to be hail to the thief. Okay. Just going to tell you right now, um, but I think he'll he'll come around, and what he'll do is that's where Ted Cruz and some of the others come in. Ted Cruz will be out there campaigning for Trump. You will see it happen. Um, and I'll, what most people are waiting on these never Trump bunches. The majority of them are waiting on their guy, whoever their guy is. In this case, uh, Cruz is the top dog to get out there and say, you know what. This isn't the best pick of the GOP, but I'm willing to get behind him for the big picture. Here's where I play in the big picture, and I need you to come out and to support it. And a lot of them will. Some of them won't, but a lot of them will. And Trump, as long as he keeps his reined in, if everybody will notice, he has pared down his TV appearances. He has pared down his uh, interview giving. That is a direct result of the new campaign team that is involved with him. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's... The message hasn't been controlled, and we're trying to get to where. You take a Twitter account away. That's where we're. The GOP is trying to get control. I agree, and Tammy. Take his what Twitter account? Yeah. Yeah. He's not. He ain't the one posting on Twitter. It's one of his kids. I don't know which one of the kids it is. It was his son. But uh, you're right. I agree. They they do need to a candidate, and I have tried to preach this to other candidates. A candidate does nothing except show up, wave, and give the speech that we write and tell him to give. Wow. Kiss the baby. Shut your nap. Well, you got to kiss the babies and, you know, the likes of Tammy, you know, do her thing. But uh, the point being is that uh, this is the deal. If Trump plays his cards right, his Trump card, <laughs> he uh, uh. he can be the president. If he does not, Hillary is the president, and that's just the way it is. It is Trump's to lose. At this point, people are so sick of Obama. They're sick of the policies. And they may not realize they're sick of Obama, but they're sick of the policies. They're sick of the death. They're sick of the destruction. They're sick of people, um, you know, 
every time the White House speaks, it's what else has, can this country do to burden the world? You do not go to Japan, who attacked us, and say, oh, hey, we're sorry for dropping the bomb on you. The only thing we need to say is, you know what, we're sorry we didn't drop about three more on you. And as strong as, strong as that may be, and people may not agree with that, here's the deal. If you come after the U.S., you deserve what you get. We were nice. We're the only country in, US, in, in the history of the world that will blow you to smithereens and then go help you rebuild it. Well, get this, and we've, baby. And we've done it repeatedly. Well, so, get this, baby. And Truman was asked years after. That he, right before he died, he gave an interview, and they said, you know, knowing what you know now and the devastation that the A-bomb caused, would you drop it again? And his exact words were, you bet your sweet ass I would. I saved lives. I, I, I truly believe that when you diminish the light of the United States, you diminish the hope of millions of people around the world that aren't U.S. citizens, that look to us and look what we have accomplished in 240 years. And, you know, we're young, comparatively speaking. But we are the, yeah. It, it just, it, it bugs me that it's a crime to fly your flag in your yard. It's a crime to be patriotic. It's a crime to be nationally proud of what you've accomplished. Okay, and we're supposed to bow down to Germany. We're supposed to bow down to France. We're supposed to bow down to all these countries that in some way have tried to kill us by death through a thousand cuts. And we're supposed to accept people into our nation that want to kill us. Here's the deal. If you don't like this country, and you don't like what this country has to offer, and you don't like the way we live our life, I'm pretty sure there's a damn boat leaving for China, Cuba, Germany, France, Italy, any of these other countries, Iran, Iraq. You want to join up with ISIS? Bye. Matter of fact, we'll leave you out of the California coast, and you can head right on. But... Uh, when that uh, F-18 Hornet comes flying over and oops so love it or leave it and I hate to be that way but that's just the way it is if I go to Germany I'm expected to act as Germans do when I went to Bangladesh I was expected to act as people in Bangladesh were I was to assimilate into their culture and do their thing they didn't learn to speak English while I was there just to make me happy so that's what it is. People are tired of that. And as long as somebody comes along, they don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. People drink the sand because they don't know any better. And for those of you that are political buffs, will know exactly where that movie came or where that movie quote came from. Almost. Yes. At the end of the day, it's like this, gentlemen. We're Americans. Some of us are blue. Some of us are red. Some are cowards. Some are not. But we're Americans. And we have to stick together. Hillary deserves to be indicted. She's not going to be. Just the way it is. And until next time, everybody, i got to cut this off because we can go for another hour. I do want to do another show with this same roundtable where we talk two particular issues, and I'll email you guys what those two issues are because if I mention them, we'll start talking about them now. <laughs> I want to thank Hatton <laughs> Humphreys of Pro-Sports. Uh, can, can, can I... Can I give a quick shout-out for my show? I was going to do that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, my podcast, which I'm, I'm Mark and Fabian know about, uh, the rest do not, uh, is Front Porch Political Talk. It's on Talk Show. Uh, we record Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. 
Um, and it's a, it's a different kind of talk show. Uh, information on it, the website is uh, frontporchtalk.net. It's also a member of the Red State Talk Radio Network. All right. Is that the end of your plug? Yep. <laughs> we, he, to give you a uh, to give you Tammy kind of a thing of what he talks about. He picks news articles that are not really in the headlines, and mm-hmm. we discuss them. and And some of them have political tint. Even if they don't have a political tint, me or Mark either brings it back around to politics, and if or we I don't, do. Hatton does. So <laughs> now um, I will I will say the last few episodes. Um, I have been accused of of having a a, uh, a compulsion to including pelvic issues, um, <laughs> and, uh, and and I, and I try so hard not to, but it, it ends up you know I, I I include I include articles about you know for example the fact that um, the uh, Secretary of Defense is now allowing transgenders to openly serve, oh, and not wow. only that and not only that but. Uh, to uh, that, mili- that the uh, military medical plan will be updated to include reassignment surgeries. Um, let me. Let that me, was, let me. And that wasn't about the pros or cons of of either a uh, adedectomy or a tropicotomy, but that was a um, <laughs> that was simply a case of you know okay the military is is going you know we used to when I was in the navy I was in the navy under Clinton yes. Let me close this out and stop the recording, and then we'll carry on the conversation. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I would like to thank my guests today, Hatton Humphreys, <laughs> Chase Williams, Mark, and Tammy, for uh, their viewpoints. As always, I like having each one of them here. Ladies and gentlemen, you can reach us at politicalstraighttalk.us. And remember, freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier today. you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. This is Fabian, the political superman, saying awesome. have a good night, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.